We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to Talk of Buffalo Podcast, where we often highlight but are not limited to Buffalo sports, news, media, and entertainment. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. You can follow me on Twitter at Moran Tweets. Thanks for locking in today. It is Casual Friday. That means I'm joined today by my casual buddy, sports writer, sports personality, radio tour expert, my man, Joe Yurden. What's going on, Joe? How you doing? I'm good. I'm grooving out, man. This music's funky. I kind of like it. it. It's it's <laughs> great. I, it's taking me back to like '90s hip hop. I'm I'm into it. Yeah, me too. Maybe, maybe even so, '80s. I don't know. That's uh, yeah, late '80s, late '80s. But I, yeah, I would I would definitely say it's got that '90s flow to it. By the way, so we're taping this late in the Thursday afternoon, and Joe is. I was kind of being a little sarcastic. This is like what your fourth. <laughs> Saving today, man. You're, you're, yeah, you're pretty much yeah, in demand. Uh, I, well, it's funny things happen when you when you write something that gets people upset or gets gets you lots of attaboys and gets your mentions blowing up. It's uh, been a while since that's happened for me, so that's uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun. <laughs> it's genuinely <laughs> been fun, but like some of the responses are just wild, out of the like out of the park. Joe's referring to a piece on Jack Eichel that he wrote for Dive Out of Late earlier this week, which we're going to get into in just a few minutes. You know, let me ask you this, though, man. So, like I, like I said, you've, you're doing a lot of interviews, okay? Mm-hmm. And do you ever get a little bit, I don't want to say tired, because, I, I mean, I know you on a personal level, and you're always happy and, you know, grateful and humble to, whether it's a big podcast, a smaller podcast, radio, whatever it may be, you're always happy to go on and, you know, just talk shop with whoever it may be, but do you ever get tired a little bit, at least of kind of talking about the same topics? Like I said, we're going to talk about Jack Eichel in just a couple of minutes and other Sabres stuff as well. By the way, our starting five this week, fictional sports movie characters. I'm really looking forward to that more on that. Like I said, in a few, but Jack Eichel's the meat and the potatoes. And you just talked about it. You wrote a story about him and this is going to be the fourth time today that you're kind of, in some ways at least, talking about at least some of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get at least a little bit tired of kind of saying the same things over and over and over again? No. no I, I, I honestly don't because I, it's, it's a different audience every time. And sure. I kind of I subscribe to the theory, granted, on a much, 
much smaller basis uh, that Joe DiMaggio gave Mickey Mantle when he was coming up. He's, he's like, he's like, there's ch- like you got to give your all every game because there's a chance that somebody, somebody watching you, it's going to be the first time, might be the only time they see you, and they want to, they, they don't want to be let down. Now, I am not the Joe DiMaggio or the Mickey Mantle of anything. Like, like not, there's nothing I, in my life I am that good at. But if I'm doing these things, people want to have me on. They want to hear what I have to say. So I'm going to give it to them. And, you know, if, if they're kind enough to give me their airtime, I can't mail that in. I can't just be like, oh, Jesus, this, this again. Like, think of how spoiled and lame that would be. If I write this thing, it's got me, you know, yapping on Twitter all the time. We've got people yelling at me, people applauding me. And then they're like, hey, man, you want to come on and talk about that? Nah, I don't feel like it. They're like, what? Like, come on. I can't imagine writing something that gets that kind of reaction and then just ducking interviews or ducking chances to talk about it. Like, that's, I know some people will do it, but like, and I know if you're in demand, like, sometimes you just need a break. I get that, but like, no way, no way. Like I, I try to say, I try to say yes to everybody. Sometimes, sometimes it's not the right headspace, like period. Like it has nothing to do with what I, you know, what I'm going to talk about. Just sometimes I just ain't got it. And it's easy for me. It's easy to feel that. But like, if anybody else is like, if, and sometimes like things get lost, if somebody emails me and it gets like stuck away and hidden away in the emails or DMS or something like that, I'll feel bad. I'll just, oh, geez, I, I didn't see this really sorry but yeah but i try to say yes to everybody just because like it, it's good self-promotion a and b like they're asking you like it, they they think you're important enough to to come out and talk so like that's great sure it is and what you kind of mentioned is too is it's one thing to say yes but it's not always that easy especially when you're doing multiple interviews in a short amount of time it's it's one thing to to appear on radio or a lot of podcasts. Another thing, you got to also bring that energy too. You know, like you said, oh, yeah. you had the Joe DiMaggio reference. I thought of, which is corny ass me, but John Cena used to say stuff like that. You never know who's watching yeah, wrestling yeah. for the very first time when you come between, uh, when you know you come out between the row or the apron and you go out in between the ropes and you wrestle. You never know who's watching you for the first time. So I get it. But yeah, it's also, like I said, having that right energy and, uh, you know, clarification on what you're talking about, that right vibe. That means, uh, it means a lot too. You're really good at that, man. I've I've said this before, Joe, and I'm you know I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I, I truly mean this. I think you're a really good writer. Don't get me wrong. I, I love reading your shit, and I have for quite a long time. In fact, that's how we first connected before I started having mm-hmm. you on the podcast, and we've gotten to know each other on a personal level. I first was drawn to you because of of your writing, but I still think that you're just as good, if not better, <laughs> suited for radio, man. I, I like. I think you got a good voice. I think you got a good delivery. I think you got a a good personality. And I think you have the right temperament to, to be able to do something when it, whether it's podcasting or whether it's radio, Mm -hmm. do you, do you enjoy talking more than you do writing? Now I know like, like I've asked John Vogel this and he's admitted straight Mm -hmm. up. John says, I hate talking. I hate doing podcasts and and radio. He does them because he knows it's part of the gig, but he would much rather write. Chase Skirsky's kind of the same way on the football side. Like, mm-hmm. where do you fall on that? If you had your choice of doing either, like writing a kick-ass story or being on the air for 20 minutes and having an unbelievable interview, like what's your personal preference there? You know, uh, I, I, it's a lot harder a tough to question. Write. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's so much more difficult to write the, uh, to write the best story, I think, because – 
you you have ideally like if it's if it's going to be like a big research piece or something like that you have a lot of time to work on it and really finesse it and get it right down you know to where you have to get it to make it as good as you think it can be and sometimes that creates moments to overthink or to get lost in, so, in some angles and miss something you know that might be you know a better story or better you know better way to take things um there, and like you have a lot of creative license in writing like you basically can you know write anything as long as you know it's on point and making it you know, just making it sound good or making it like read like the good story is really tough now that's not to say that speaking is easy uh like i'm very guilty at rambling like constantly like that's that's my biggest worry whenever i do radio hits is like if i get rambling and i hear the host like trying to jump in i'm just like oh crap i did it then i feel terrible but as a guest but as a guest as a guest i think that's a good thing joe now if it was me and i was rambling and rambling and when i have a guest on and i'd never shut up it'd be the opposite (laughs) way but you're my guest people are tuning in to listen they ain't here they're not here to listen to me man they're here to listen to you i'm not stupid i know that so I don't consider it rambling. I think you're doing what you're supposed to do when you're the guest. There's a difference yeah. between being the guest and the host. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And I think you you can get great interviews on the radio. I mean, I, I remember one one time I was sitting in with Tim Graham during his show when he was on 1270. And I didn't know what he had planned for that day. Like, I knew I was coming in to, like, hang out and just kind of, you know, talk. It was like, you know, it was me Matthew Fairburn and, and Graham in there or Joe and Jonah like it was his usual crew and then I was just jumping along for the ride that day and he his his phone guest that day was OJ Simpson and oh, I, was I remember like, that what I was like what am I doing why am I in the room for this this is nuts and he it was just an unbelievable interview like not only for the fact that it's that it's OJ and like everything that's OJ you know everything that's insane about OJ but it was just OJ just having like a regular normal conversation. OJ wanted to talk about fantasy football more with Tim than he did like anything else. And that to me just blew me away. I was like, what do you, what do you mean this guy just wants to talk fantasy football? He's like, he's a huge fantasy nerd. And I'm just like, holy hell, okay. And then he felt like that's an unbelievable interview. But then he followed it up. Uh, he spoke with uh, Scott Farrell, uh, big, you know, radio sports talk show host. He's had mm-hmm. like national shows every yeah. No, because he's got the voice that's like this. Hey, boys, have a beer. Yep. You know, like he's got just an unforgettable voice, just an, like incredible radio talent. And Scott was tell like there he was telling stories about like working in sports radio and like how much radio can just kick you when you're down and kick you and it kick you when you're up too. And he told this story about how he like all the like all the jobs that he's had, you know, like in radio, just like trying to keep up with gigs. He said that the day that his father died, I think it was, I think he said it was the day his dad died. His station was like, Hey, can you come in? Can you come in for and do a couple hours? And wow. he was just like, well, my dad died. And they're just like, well, you better come in. And he's just like, all right. Um, uh, I guess I got to go in because this is how it is. And he did a show the day his dad died. And I'm just like, man, fuck radio. That's like, that, like that's the horrible, yeah. that, like that's the horrible, ugly part of radio where, a program director or, you know, station manager or whatever thinks that, and, you know, hey, they think what they're doing is the most important thing in the world. I get it. You have FCC regulations, can't go off the air. Like, that's fine. But have a goddamn heart. Like, let somebody grieve. Let somebody just get away. And, you know, Did he get Scott, through it? 
Did he get through it? Do you remember? Yeah. I, I mean, he said he got through it, but he's like, he's like, that's how messed up, you know, terrestrial radio is where it's just like, no, man, you got to keep the wheels moving. You got to keep the machine greased. And that to me is the hardest part of radio. And then you're judging on ratings, which even harder to do now when you've got, you've got iPods and your phones and satellite radio, like good luck getting ratings now. Like that's right. That's why radio is in such a bad place now. Like that's why all these big radio companies now do podcasts. Cause it's just like, well, shoot, if you missed it on the air, it doesn't matter. It's on our website. That's a, yeah. a really terrible way of doing business. So, um, I, you know, I think of things like that and I think of like all like the times I wanted to pull my hair out writing a story and I'm like, boy, I got in the wrong industry. <laughs> like getting, getting into communications was probably the wrong way to go about it because it's just, it's all so stressful and you do it because you love it, but it pays like trash and you get taken advantage of constantly. But like, I don't know, you, you just kind of go along with it because you love it and you're good at it. Like in my case, I'm good at it and I'm stuck in my head where I'm just like, well, if I don't do this anymore, what the hell am I going to do next? I'm like, that's, that's a bad place to be. But like, I don't know, man. But if I had to pick one or the other, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I honestly don't, I don't know if I could carry a whole sports talk show for like two hours a day. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot of well, topics. Maybe, you maybe not cover. by yourself. If, if you had calling guests, if you had, if you had interaction with fans, I think you'd be off and running. I think you would be really good at that for sure. You know, it's funny. You, well, it's not funny at all. When you're talking about Scott Farrell going on the air after his dad died. Dude, if I get in, if I bicker with my wife, if I get in an argument over some stupid shit with my wife, I don't want to come here and have to tape a podcast because that's just on my mind and I have a hard time separating and getting off. I got to be like in the right mind space. I would never be able to do that. And you bring it up, OJ being on Tim's show, man. I, re I do remember that very well. And I also remember the reaction, which was very mixed. I'm talking about fans. Mm -hmm. A lot of fans love the fact, hey man, this dude got OJ and no one else could do it. To Tim's credit, OJ ain't talking to nobody except Tim Graham for the most part. You know what yeah. I mean? He don't, he don't talk to nobody. That's amazing yeah. to me. And I, mm -hmm. I side on the side of that amazes me personally, but there were a lot of people out there like, fuck OJ, how you talk to this murderer. Mm -hmm. And then as you know, OJ ain't going to talk about any of that stuff. OJ wants no. to, like you said, he wants to talk about fantasy football and, you know, powder puff stuff, what? which NFL golf, know, uh, like he'll talk yeah, about I mean, golf, stuff. exactly. What the hell is he? He ain't going to sit there and talk about shit. So I don't know. Like I said, I just, I remember the reactions to when, because Tim's had about the radio. Tim's written a couple stories with it or had a couple of interviews with them for stories. Mm -hmm. Just a, a, a real fascinating thing. But yeah, but anyway, going back to this whole, uh, you know, when you're doing a lot of interviews and stuff like that, imagine being a movie star. Okay. Now cool as hell. Obviously you're rich, you're famous. That's all cool. But like when you're out, like these guys really grind and these women, they just grind. Imagine having to do like these uh, press packets where they sit in a hotel and I'm telling you right now, like this is going to be the third or fourth time today. You're talking about Jack Eichel for what, 15 minutes. Imagine yeah. having to talk about the movie that you did and getting the literal same questions over and over and over again, probably 40, 50 times over the course of two or three days. That would be, uh, that'd be tough to do. Yeah, I've I've seen like a, a few like behind the scene things for those junkets, and it's like it's like a supercut of just getting like this one particular question again and again and again, like yeah, yeah, you know, five, yeah. six, seven interviews in a row where it's the same question, and like they answer it the first time, and they're just like yeah, yeah, hey, and then then by the time it's like that sixth or seventh in a row, they're like yeah, yeah, it's uh yeah, and then like 
if I'm the interviewer in that case, I'm just like, oh shit, they've been asked this a thousand times. Like you, you got to come up with some, like some deeper cut stuff or like get, you know, do your research. Like, you know, uh, the guy that hosts hot ones, I don't know if you've seen that on YouTube where it's, um, yeah, it's the, wing, a, it's or the guy with the sauces. Yes. And the amount of research he and his staff do on the people that they bring on provides fascinating questions. Like it's, it's honestly incredible, like the kind of depths they get, because the number of times I've seen somebody go, oh, man, you did your research when asking a question. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did, because that's not stuff they get asked about a lot. And that's that's what you need to do with like a platform like that. Whereas, you know, I, I hear what you're like. I want to go back to what you said about, you know, being in the right mindset for that. I And in the past, like I used to do uh, acting when I was in high school and a little bit in college, like I did theater stuff. And I remember uh, in high school, my girlfriend hated it that I was able to compartmentalize when I'm on stage. Cause like her and I would be having an argument or something. And then it would completely affect everything she was doing. I said, she couldn't concentrate. She couldn't do her lines. Couldn't do anything. It was just pretty diva. Like I, I'll be honest. It was very like, I can't, Oh, just, oh, I need a moment. Like, and I'm standing up there like, do your line. Like, let's go. Like, I can not, I can do this. We can have this argument after we do this scene. But like, you, you, like she couldn't. And it was just like, I'm able to do things like that a lot of times. So granted, I, I don't know. That, I don't think I would ever have been able to do what Scott Farrell did. I would have been like, fuck you, fire me. Like, if that's the case, right. I can't, I can't have a day off for that. Eat shit. Like, I don't want to work for you anymore. But, you know, like being able to like, just kind of like, mentally split that apart when you need to do stuff. It's so hard. It's, it's so hard to do when, when the stakes are a little bit higher and the, you know, the things that might be distracting you are much more serious, like, you know, theater stuff, arguing with your girlfriend, whoop de doo who cares? But like when it's, if you're dealing with family stuff and you're dealing with like, you know, stress of the job and like all that comes together. I mean, if you get out of that with, without having affect one thing or the other or both you are some kind of unbelievable machine because that that stuff can affect you completely like i understand like if you get like you said you, you get in a fight with your wife you don't want to talk about anything it's just like i need to i need to figure this out like that's serious business like that's that's relationship that's just like you got to take care of home i struggle with it i struggle with it man i struggle with compartmentalizing issues that have nothing to do with uh you know, the podcast and I'm not, Joe, I'm not really good at letting shit go. Maybe <laughs> That's part of my problem. And I hold on to a lot of shit and it stews in my mind. And I guarantee you, I've taped some shows in, in the past where, I mean, maybe I'm being a little too self-critical or I don't, I don't think anybody listening would, would be led mm -hmm. on to anything. But when I listen, I'm like, I know. And I remember the mind space I was in when I was doing this episode and having this interview. I'm like, I wanted to fucking strangle somebody, but I'm kind of going through the motions a little bit to, to get through it. So yeah, come, you know, separating life and, uh, work sometimes is, uh, a little bit harder th than it sounds for sure. I, I definitely, I admit it. I struggled. Uh, you know, I'd be interested in knowing how many podcasters or radio people out there struggle with. And I'm not saying that they can't do it, but for some mm -hmm. people, maybe it's easy to separate, you know, issues in your life. than when you get behind a mic or in front of a camera, whatever it may be, but, but, I, I'm not sure that it's easy for, for, for most people. Some people can probably do it easier than others, but I can't. Good thing I do a podcast because if this was like a YouTube <laughs> show, 
there would have been times like you'd be talking and and bringing the energy that you're supposed to bring and making a good point. I'd be fucking looking like like Adam like angry Adam Sandler, you know, when he makes that frown that face while you're talking. Yeah. Like in uh, what is it, the wedding singer? Like after he gets left at the altar and he's just miserable mm. trying to sing, <laughs> that would be like the look I'd have on my face while you'd be talking and doing your job, and you look like I'm gonna fucking kill somebody. <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, that, but that's the fun, the fun, quote unquote, of this business where, you know, the the content machines never stop. Like, it never stops. Even on holidays, it never stops. Like, right. When I was with NBC, like the number of times it was just like, well, it's Christmas, and we still got to write a few things. It's like there's nothing. There's nothing happening. It's the the NHL's on holiday break. Doesn't matter. We got to keep the site moving. Like, eat shit. It's Christmas. Like that. You know, get out of my face. <laughs> But like, you know, like I, I have a lot of sympathy for like NBA coverage people because they always have games on Christmas Day and for NFL people with Thanksgiving where it's just kind of like, hey, everybody's home. Let's put a bunch of stuff on TV. It's like, yeah, everybody's home except us, you know, except everybody <laughs> playing and covering the games. Like, yeah, everybody's home enjoying it. Neat. Great. You know, it's funny you talk about hockey and how it never stops. I've made no secrets on this podcast more times than I could count that. I don't really care too much about the NHL if the Sabres aren't involved. I got a rare hockey take, a non-Sabres take real quick before we jump into Jack here. I was actually stoked on Wednesday. I did watch a lot of the game when the, the Islanders knocked out Boston. That crowd, that was amazing. That was awesome. Great crowd. I loved seeing it, not just because I hate the Boston Bruins. It was really cool to see the Islanders advance and just those, that crowd, just the time mm -hmm. they were having. Again, we're still coming off. A lot of shit over this last year with COVID. So just to see fans that happy and that packed and that excited to me, that was, that was fucking awesome. And I'll tell you, I don't watch much hockey when the Sabres don't play. Playoffs or not, I really, I'm being honest with you, I don't care that much. But New York versus Tampa, I'm in for that. That's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited about watching that series. Go Islanders. By the way, blasting me down here, I, know I literally live right outside of Tampa. I don't care. I'm a New Yorker. I want the Islanders. It, the only re if it wasn't for the fact that I'm getting ready to pack, move out of this apartment, and I'm going to be spending all, uh, at least all the summer in Buffalo, and I got a lot of shit going on over the next couple. If it wasn't for that, man, I'd be looking for some Islanders gear right now. I mean, going out to the bars, they're gonna probably get my ass kicked Just at some of these places. Everybody. But it would be with my some Islander shit on and get my ass kicked. It would be worth it. But and seriously, that's going to be a good series. I I'm really excited about that one. Yeah, it's a, re a rematch of last year's uh, East East Eastern Conference Final, like in the bubble, which I I don't know how many people actually remembered that being. But with the fans, final. though, but yeah, exactly. But now yeah. I'm saying with rabid fans, it it feels mm -hmm. like it's completely different. Even though it is a rematch, oh, it just feels completely different. Yeah, Excited there's actual it. home ice advantage. Like both teams yes. can fill up their arena now, so it's like. Yep. There's a home ice advantage there, and like it's it clearly affected the Bruins that every time they played on Long Island. Oh my God! Like that was just like, whoa. Okay, we we walked into the we walked into the the uh, the uh, hornet's nest here. This is this is tough. To and they, like the fact that they all started chanting New York Saints <laughs> during the game because of what what Coach Cassidy had said. Like, it's yeah. like, well, you know, we want some calls. Like, own it. Like that's you know, we we us upstaters. I consider myself an upstater. I know Western New York people. Like, Where Western New York? Just, what, just, please, just calm down. But. Anybody up here just knows has a has a good feel for what it's like to you know to 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 be New York 
Like you're New York, like we're all New Yorkers in different ways. Like it's not the New York City way where it's just, you know, roughneck, whatever. We're not Long Island. It's none of that. But like, we get it. Like if you're going to talk crap, you're going to get it fed right back to you. Like that's just the way it goes. So that's, it was such a beautiful New York way to handle like coach talking shit about, about your team. Just like, yeah, we're going to own it. And like people were busting out old lacrosse jerseys because there used to be like the New York Saints. People were wearing those things in the frigging game. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> okay, perfect. This is how it should go. Like just, you know, they insult you just take it and run with it. It's great. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back with Joe Yurden. So, yeah, man, I mean, New York, Tampa, two excited fan bases. Going to watch some good hockey. Speaking of excited fan bases, not the Buffalo Sabres fan base right now. <laughs> Look, so you wrote a piece this week, and I have you on every Friday. So whether we're shooting the shit like we just did for 20 minutes or we dive right into hockey, whatever it may be, I have you on every week. But I, even if you weren't my casual Friday guest, I would have been calling you out to get you on the show anyway this week because you wrote a piece <laughs> for Die by the Blade, uh, making the best out of losing your best player. Uh, subtitled Jack Eichel won't be with the Sabres much longer. And boy, does reality stink. Elaborate on that a little bit, the piece, and also some of the reaction that you've gotten. I've seen just from Twitter. I mean, very, very vocal. I mean, most people completely agree with the article. It's just, it's, it's people being vocal about their opinions of Eichel mm-hmm. and, and the team. So kind of just talk a little bit about that article and some of the reception that you've gotten from it. Well, the, the mindset for me was, um, first off, I hadn't, you know, I needed, I wanted to write something for the site cause it had been a little while and, you know, honestly there, you know, with all the, the news that's going around, it's just kind of like, you know, you go around the bend with it and it's just kind of dull. So I figured it was time for a column and, you know, I've caught a lot of people just being like, nah, I don't think he's gone. I, you know, they, you know, they're, they're going to be able to patch this up. It's going to work. Like everything will be fine. And I've been telling everybody since the since like that end of the season press conference, like this ain't fine, this is done. And then, you know, Adams had that second availability before the lottery, and it got asked about Eichel again, and he doubled down, and he was just like, "Listen, I trust our doctors, you know, and you know, Jack's got his opinions, and whatever he's he can have them, but but you know, he's got to do it our way." And I was just like, "Just you gave him the double birds there. You're just like, fuck you, get out." That's what I, that's what I took it as, you know. I mean, Jack, we only heard from at the end of the season, and we're never going to hear from him again until, unless he's, you know, until he's traded. Now I can't say unless because he's going to get traded. 
It's just a question of, of when it happens. And I got to think, so I got to thinking about it and I was just kind of like, let me, you know, have some fun with this, write a, write a column and just kind of, kind of go through, you know, like talking with a fan, going through the motions of, you know, this team going back to the drawing board, trading their best player and just kind of running with it. And I, I, a little bit of uh, like behind the scenes on this, this piece took me about 35 minutes to write. I, I was just, I, you know, and that's not a brag or anything, but like, this is all just stuff that was bouncing around my head. And once I got writing, I was just like, all right, let's, let's get, let's get this all out here. And it was pretty, it was pretty straightforward to write something like that. And, you know, I had a lot of flowery language and try to make it sound more cutting and, and kind of dig into the heart of the matter. But, um, but I felt this is all stuff that needed to be said because people are still kind of hanging on to that hope and not that I want to ruin people's hope. Yeah. It, 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 he ain't coming back. Like that's like, he's, if he suits up in a Sabres uniform next year, it's either, either something absolutely shocking happened or he's, being held hostage like and in <laughs> maybe not the the most literal way of that but like something really had to go off the rails for that to happen because I, all this talk i mean this is so much talk and it's it, everything is tiptoeing around the, the matter like he's gone and i just figured it's time to write something about this and it's not somebody accused me of of saying like i was trying to go around and you know you know get out ahead of it when it happens just so i can you know beat my chest I was like no like anytime I write, I'm not doing it for congratulations or, or whatever. Like I'm just doing it to write it. And, you know, a lot of people said, well, you're going to feel bad when he doesn't get traded. Like, Actually, I won't. <laughs> Actually, no, <laughs> that'll make me make things way more interesting if that doesn't happen. So, you know, it's a lot of times it's just the, the barefaced matter of it, of just writing something to write it. And that's kind of what this was. But like, it's a column in that I it's a different kind of column because it doesn't have, it doesn't have an opinion that I'm holding on to for dear life. And a lot of times it, it, people write columns and they're going to hang on to that p- opinion and die with it, which that ain't me, man. Like <laughs> at that point, it's just, a, it's just, a <laughs> but like, that's like, that's essentially a letter to the editor at that point. Like that's that, you know, it's not really a column at that point. You're just kind of just, just yelling and screaming like I'm not doing that. I'm just, just being like, Hey, this is what's going to happen. Just be ready for it. And don't be taken by surprise because it all sucks. I, I, I'll tell you what, man, I, it already has legs and I completely agree with literally everything you wrote in the column, which is why I want to talk about it today on Thursday. It was kind of confirmed too. I, Elliot Freeman, and this is kind of a twist because everyone's assuming that Jack wants out and he does, but mm-hmm. Elliot Freeman and GR talked about, at the end of the day, he doesn't think the Sabres want to bring back Jack Eichel. So it kind of sounds like neither side wants each other anymore. Now, one thing that really stuck out to me in your piece, which, man, I couldn't agree with it more. It was near the end of it. You, you wrote that Sabres uh, general manager, Kevin Adams, he's ultimately going to be judged. His tenure as GM is going to be judged more than anything else by what he gets for Eichel. Absolutely mm-hmm. true. I mean. There's a lot of pressure. Would you agree? There's a lot of pressure on Kevin Adams right now because at this point, it's well known that Jack wants out. And now it's become well known that the Sabres really don't. And, you know, the tea leaves, if you read them when Kevin Adams' press conference is talking about time and time again, players who want to be here. I mean, they kept saying that. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but but that's true, isn't it? I mean, Kevin Adams, he's going to be judged on what he ends up getting for Jack Eichel, just like to a large extent, Bottrell was based on what he got for Ryan O'Reilly. Kind of the same deal mm-hmm. in a way. Even more magnified this time, though, because it's Jack Eichel, right? Yeah, it 100% is because this is the guy they they bottomed out an entire season for, you know? Um, and to that Two respect, seasons. it's kind of... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it applies to Reinhardt too, who also is probably not sticking around. I would guess. Like, if you're him, why would you why would you re up for one year? And then and why would the Sabers do a one year deal when he can walk away in free agency after the year? Like, you don't do that. Like, that's. I mean, if you let that happen, that's unbelievably bad asset management at that point. But like, but this is like this is Adams. Like, you got to make it shine. And the, the, the only difference I say is that the O'Reilly situation, he wasn't asking to be traded. Like maybe he was in not so many words, but like he still said he wanted to be part of the solution in Buffalo. Like it's just that all the losing gets you down, which I don't think that's an incorrect opinion. Losing sucks. And losing that much when you have so much potential sucks even more because it's just like, why aren't we getting this right? And O'Reilly's always been a guy that puts everything on his shoulders. Like I always joked around that I said that the Sabres could win a game 10 to one. He could have eight points, but if he was on ice for that one goal against, that's all he would talk about after the game. Ah, geez. You know, I got to be better. Uh, You know, uh, you know, I got to try better. And uh, you know, I got to get better next game. I just got to get better. Like that's, that's him. That like, that's him as a person. Which is, you know, that's unbelievable expectations, but maybe that comes from his dad being a coach too. So like, I don't know. But in Jack's case, everything has been, it's time, it's time to go. Like, you know, if, and nobody said it directly. Like Jack hasn't formally requested a trade. Right. The Sabres haven't formally said they're going to move them, but it's all basically been said already. Like that's going to happen. But now it's, that's where Adams is in a really hard spot because the neck issue for Jack is going to, it will affect what some teams may want to offer up for him. Sabres might have to eat some money on the deal to get what they need, what they want for it, which, you know, you're, you're backed up against the eight ball already. That stinks. <laughs> like that doesn't yeah. make it any easier. And if you know, if you get a soft return, you're, you're basically just, you just might as well pull it all apart at that point. And start completely fresh with no entanglements whatsoever. You know, start with Darlene and Cousins and then just say, let's build it up again with this because we got to. Like, they're kind of on that road already, but, but man, I if you're re- Adams, I want to read it. Fumble this trade. Ugh. Ugh. I want to read a tweet to you. It's from our buddy, uh, the, the ever emotional Joe from Queens at Buffalo Wins on Twitter, Joe. <laughs> He said, and this is a tweet, and this is in regards, in reference to to your piece after he digested it. He says, one thing I've been debating about if Michael gets traded is whether I am going to root for him elsewhere. I'm conflicted. Part of me wants to see him do well because fuck the Bagulas and Sabres management. But the other part, and this will sound mean, doesn't really care about Eichel. He's a good or great player, but he's not in the same love I have for LaFontaine, Drury, Miller, Briere when they left, and I didn't fault them for leaving. Do you kind of feel that's like a general consensus with Michael because, or do you think it's more uh, him not getting the same love from fans as LaFontaine and Jury because either A, Eichel's never won anything in Buffalo, not that, that his, it's his fault because it's not, or 
Maybe it's also because he does kind of come off as a kind of a dick to some people. And you think it's kind of like a mixture of both the winning and just uh, the perception of his attitude towards people. Like, what are your thoughts on that? That I think it's a it's a fair mix of both. I mean, all of those guys that you mentioned that are beloved all had winning attached to them. Like they all were part of, you know, good to great teams. And they all are just, you know, fans here will will go to their grave saying, like, I love this guy forever. He's always going to be my favorite. And Jack, you know, there's no winning attached to him. You know, 80, what, 81 point season is the best they got. You know, he finished, you know, finished eighth in MVP voting last year, even though it was a total dog crap year and they fell short of even getting into an expanded bubble playoff. Like that, you know, like all those things put in there. And, you know, history should look back at it as, boy, ownership really screwed it up. And I, I have to hope that's the way history will look at it. I mean, you know, listen, unless the Sabres take off and start winning Stanley Cups after trading them, then like, okay, <laughs> that this history will treat it a lot differently. But, um, but I think, you know, I think there's a lot about him where it's just, you know, he does all the charity stuff. He does, you know, he does all these things. He's got, you know, radio commercials and whatever. He's in the public eye, but it's not, it's not quite the same. And, you know, I, I don't know what, plays into that like you know, i've heard you know you hear different stories all the time about how he acts off the ice and this that and the other thing and it's just like i've heard a lot of right, them as well whatever i'm not but, gonna i'm not gonna like, dignify him at, oh, on this no. podcast at this time we've both yeah. heard a lot of shit that jack about jack off the ice was partying mm-hmm. and all kinds of other shit but anyway but like all those guys back in the day they partied like people yeah. were running to miller on in in you know down in chippewa <laughs> and and on elmwood Dude. all the time like <laughs> I'm okay man, like, <laughs> I used to see a lot of Sabres out and to say they were partying like during those uh, Brad May, Rob Ray, Barnaby, the, oh those kind of yeah. days. I've seen those guys mm-hmm. out all the time. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I don't like, know, man. You know, like- I, I kind of take it, Joe, as my interpretation is this, and I know this sounds kind of weird, but I take it like the Bagulas ran him out. Not like, I don't want you here. Get out of, get, get away. I don't want you mm-hmm. on my team. Not that. Because they just did such a lousy job that it's made Jack not want to be here. Because at the end of the day, Jack could be kind of a dick off the ice. From what I've heard, I mean, again, I've heard some a lot of good things about him. I've heard some unflattering things about him. But mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, Jack just wants to win, man. Dude wants to win. He's a competitor. And I don't think he's got anything against the Buffalo organization. He's got something against the organization. I don't think he has yeah. anything against the city of Buffalo and the fans. Yeah and the community and the, and the way of living and the weather and all that shit. I don't think Jack Eichel hates Buffalo. I know for mm-hmm. sure. I know some Sabres, former Sabres that absolutely hated living in Buffalo. Okay. And being a part mm-hmm. of Buffalo that I don't think that's Jack Eichel at all. I just, I'll never get over the fact that the Sabres spent one full year tanking and essentially two between Reinhardt and, and Eichel tanking for a guy who, no, he's not Connor McDavid, but He's a guy who, for I think for the most part, minus the injury, he's lived up to what he was supposed to be, a mm-hmm. game-changing franchise center. He's not a bust. Yep. So no. he's not a bust. He's been a great not player, a good to great player. But yet this team has still managed to suck every single year of all six years that he was here. I mean, forget the fucking playoffs. Dude, St. Patrick's Day is in mid-March. He's never played a meaningful game after St. Patrick's Day in his career in the mm-hmm. NHL. So 
Yeah, if he's in a shitty mood, he's angry. Wouldn't you be too? You know, yeah. that's how I, I feel. Think, but that's but that's an area like that kind of empathy is something sports fans don't have for players because the bottom line is win. Like you're either a winner or you're a loser, and that's that. Like, not that I like to compare Sabers and Bill stuff ever, like because that's just ridiculous. But I think there's an apt comparison here with like Eric Moulds, uh, because Eric Moulds was great as a Buffalo yeah. Bill, like should be on the wall, like should be honored. But all those sure. teams stunk. Those teams stunk. Yep. And, you know, it was, you know, whether it's the, you know, it was always the quarterbacks, but like it wasn't any fault of his own. Eric Moles was a fantastic player. But yeah. once it once it's been enough time to get away from that era and now that the team's good again, people will look back and go, wow. That guy really was good. We should like, why aren't we appreciating him more now? And I think, you know, and this is going to be way down the road for, for Eichel and it depends on how he, you know, how his career plays out and everything goes, but that'll happen here too. It's just, it'll be spoken of more bitterly because I'm assuming this, like Pagulas are going to own this team forever. Um, just because it's, it's attached to the hip with the bills and that's how it's going to go. But it's like people are expecting he's going to get booed out of the house when he comes back. And it's just like, I don't know, man, it ain't his fault. Like people still like stand up and cheer Terry Pagula when he comes out on the ice. And it's just like, really? I, I don't know, I don't man. Think, like yeah. that doesn't seem like a great idea. Like he's the problem. I, I think, <laughs> I think, he, I, I think he would have to really bad mouth Buffalo on his way out to get to, yeah. to really get, get that full treatment of booze. I mean, there'll be some people who surely boo him, but I think there's a lot of fans out there. I think more fans, are mad at the organization that Jack mm-hmm. wants to leave or vice versa. Then I think they are a Jack for wanting to leave. Um, yeah, I'm sure you feel the same way. Look at the end of the day though. And again, you wrote about this and I thought brilliantly your boy's gone. All right. I, I still mm-hmm. think that priority number one right now is if it's even semi-realistic and I don't know that even that it is find a way to make Sam Reinhardt, make him realize that it's worth staying for, give him the bag, give him, Give him what he wants. I mean, I, I know it's not his choice this year, but it essentially is because, again, he'll, he's mm-hmm. a restricted free agent, and this will be it after this year at, at the most. Man, you can't make Cousins or Middlesat your number one center at this point in their careers right now. You just you can't do it. You got a guy who showed he could be he, – he's the number one center. We saw it last year. He could do it. He could do it. You're just saving a team such a big step. If you could find a way to get this – satisfy this guy – Tell him that you're going to be the new face of the franchise. You're getting that C, whatever, whatever it takes, man. We're going to build around you. You're going to be our guy. Give him a big deal. I don't know what it is. Do you agree with that? Do you think that he's a guy that you're worth, that he's worth keeping and building around? Or do you think he's just so far maybe emotionally checked out? Because that was, what, seven years? And and just like Jack, he ain't seen shit either. No postseason, no sniff of the postseason. Mm-hmm. Been jerked around a little bit. I don't know. Like, like, what do you think? <laughs> I, I think you hit on it there. He's been jerked around and it's a lot. Um, I remember after his ELC was up and I know he, he wanted to get the contract thing taken care of as quickly as possible. Um, and the Sabres had an opportunity to get him locked up long-term for not that big amount of money, honestly, like, cause you know, he hadn't really taken that big step. I mean, he was producing like he did. You know, he was, he's producing fine. Um, honestly, but they, you know, but the Sabres wanted to go bridge deals with him and then, you know, they did it, you know, did it for, did it for him. And it was just kind of like, okay. And it cost him a shot at going to world championships. Like just Sam was, I think Sam had an invite, but he didn't have a contract, so he couldn't go. And he was 
pissed about that. Remember that on locker clear out day. He was just, we asked him like, Hey, you going to worlds. And he's just like, I don't have a contract. I can't go like, shit. Sorry. You know, like that stinks, but like they've had multiple opportunities to get him signed long-term and they just haven't chosen the way to go. And like, you know, they couldn't do it last year because COVID and like the money, you know, flat cap, the whole thing. Uh, so I understand last year, but now the situation has devolved terribly. And if I'm Sam, now I'm a year, one season away from UFA. I don't know, man. All the power is in his hand. I look at it like team can team can flex themselves and say, no, oh, no, you're with us until blah, blah, blah. Like, OK, but Sam's also got arbitration rights. What if he goes in there and says, I want nine million a year. And the Sabres come back with, well, we were thinking six point five. Like, I don't know, man, <laughs> that's that's a big that's a big gap. Like you can't like go to arbitration means he would probably get eight. Eight million dollars for one year. What contract do you think play Joe Yurden capologist right now or play, <laughs> play Sam Reinhardt's agent if Kevin Adams said everything I just said? And I don't think that's going to happen for the record because I still think mm-hmm. that he falls in that category of Kevin Adams said, I want people who want to be here and Sam's not that guy. But let's just pretend that he is because that's, right. that's my goal. That's my dream. Let's say he is. What is it going to take? Like, what contract, what term do you think if you're Sam's agent, you say, Sam, take this fucking deal, bro. <laughs> you're going to make a shitload of money. Something that's like even in the ballpark of being realistic. Like what would it take to get to lock Sam up long-term right now? Or is it even possible? I, I think it's possible. Um, Cause he's making 5.2 now. Um, or he made 5.2 this past year, I should say. I'm thinking the, the the conversation with Sam's way more different because now he can say, I'm a center centers get paid more than wingers generally. Um, especially when you can handle being a center and being solid. Like he does, he gets shit on for it all the time by a few of the same voices in town for not having a ton of effort for being a sour puss for this, that, and the other thing guy works his friggin' ass off. Like he's yeah, Sam's a really goddamn good player. And if, if I'm his agent, I'm saying, well, now he's a center. Like this team kind of screwed that up for a while. Always had him on the wing. You know, maybe Jack just said like, Hey, listen, put Sam on my wing. We're going to ride. Like, okay. Like you don't say no to Jack. You just, okay, fine. But you know, last year they were kind of forced to play him at center because all the centers got hurt and they traded stall. So, all right, Sam, I guess you're a guy. And then, Whoa, shit. He's really good at it. Okay. After looking terrible at it for a long time, but now he's good. If I'm his agent, I'm saying, What's this, what's the center worth? Oh, what eight million a year? Yeah, that's what I want. And if it's a long term deal, give me. If it's the Sabers trying to retain them, I'd say eight eight for eight sixty four. And if it's another team, it's eight for seven fifty six. Whatever, let's do it. And this, and mind you, in this world, if you've already traded Jack Eichel, and you're telling Sam you're a guy, I think you do that because you're saving two million dollars. You're saving two million dollars in cap in salary money, and you're still keeping a guy that you're going to consider your number one center. So I mean, you know, it, it's bargaining. <laughs> it's bargaining in a way, but like that. But but if I'm Sam's agent, I'm just I'm just thinking like, boy, I can, we can ask for a little bit more money now because you can play center, you can play wing. We know you can handle wing, but now you can really handle center. That's worth a, that's worth a few more million to me. Because that's because that's a vital spot. But, you know, if he's a number two center for any contender, that's awesome. If he's a number one center for you, it's probably a little tough. 
but he can handle it. Like the matchups are harder, might be a little bit more difficult, but he can do it. But if he's your number two guy, holy shit, that's awesome. Like you're sitting pretty good if you've got if you got a guy that's able to produce a, what he was on a 40 goal pace this year. Holy shit. Like <laughs> imagine having a center that scores 40 goals. I don't know. Like and a guy who's who's not terrible defensively. Like yeah, I remember Ryan Kessler really cashed in years ago for being a, a Selkie candidate who scored 40 goals as a center. Like, I don't know. It's uh but that's like, but that's, but that cart, like, that's what I mean. Like they, they could have had this deal done with him forever ago for much less money. And they just chose not to, because they were just kind of like, well, we got to see what he can do. And well, we got to see, you know, if he can handle it and yeah, we're going to try these things. Like, no, he's producing 60 points a year. Just sign, just sign him long-term for crying out loud. Like he's producing the same kind of points O'Reilly did like for fuck's sake, just do it. Let's get it done. Like, and they never did. And now, now, Sam's got the power because he's, he's one year to UFA. He's got Arbright's. I don't know, man, if I'm the Sabres, I'm right up against the wall because unless you come at him long-term, you got to trade him because if you know that he's in this mindset of like, he's not going to stick around. Why, you know, why are you going to have him play one more year and like trade him at the deadline for, for stuff, I guess. But like, how pissed is he going to be here playing all year? <laughs> like, you know, like that's where I'm at with it, where it's just like, don't even bother. Like, just don't even bother with it and just just do like maximize what you can get. He wants to play out west, send him to Vancouver, send him to Calgary. Get, you know, make that part of your package. They like, get get some nice players a return. Call it a day. But it's but this is but it goes back to the management. It goes back to management just not taking control. And that's on Bottrell. Like Bottrell didn't do it. And if that came at the behest of ownership, that's ownership, that's ownership screwing it up. But if it's if that was all on Bottrell to be like, no, nah, I don't, I think we should go short with him. That's dumb. Like, I mean, we heard that he wanted to go short with Eichel and then they were just like, no, get him locked up. And that, you know, people were just, Oh God, 10 million a year. Turns out that was the right amount for him because who knows if you wait another year, maybe he's worth 11 and a half. So I don't know, but it's bad. It's bad. Like they're in a horrible, the Sabres are in an absolutely horrible position and whether it's ownership or GM's past, they're stuck. Let's move on to our weekly starting five draft. Uh, your boy here, Pam Moran, is on a three-week winning streak. Thank you very much. Thank you very Not much. Uh, <laughs> last One of those week weeks was undeserved. Last week was pretty deserved, I think. Yeah, last week was deserved. Um what was it? The one where I actually agreed with you. I, I thought it, I'm not saying that I thought you won, but it was certainly should have been a, a lot closer. I think it was the HBO original series. That was like yes. two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. Yep. That was, mm-hmm. that one was kind of bullshit. <laughs> this one, I, I kind of feel like it was bullshit. a deserved, it was the deserved result. Anyway, last week we did mobster slash gangster movies. Uh, I had Godfather one Goodfellas, untouchables, which by the way, I watched that on TV two days ago. It came on. I watched it. Still love it. Uh, Bronx Tale, New Jack City. Joe went with Godfather 2, uh, Scarface, Boys in the Hood, Miller's Crossing, and Casino. I took that one on Twitter, the poll, 59 to uh, 41. You know, in fairness to you, I, I got a couple things here. I think I've had indirectly, not on purpose, <laughs> it's just the way it worked out, man. I, I've had a huge uh, scheduling I, advantage. 
rookie so is what I'm calling it. Yeah, UV. Well, no, I, I feel like you got him in screwed <laughs> a little bit with the schedule. Like it's kind of like the equivalent of being a hockey team when you got to play like three games at four nights. Like that level of of mm-hmm. being screwed. And I mean more specifically, like two weeks ago, I had the first pick when we did HBO original series, which got me the Sopranos. And I think the name, the Sopranos just really stood out on this past week, this past week, when we did mobsters and gangster movies, I think it's universally recognized that there's like three movies and then all the rest. There's Godfather one and two and Goodfellas. And because it was your turn to have the first pick that got me the next two, you know? So I think no matter which one of the three you took, I was going to get two. I think that was a, a big advantage to me. I don't think there was a true consensus number one. So basically I got to, so I think having a top pick hurt you. Whereas two weeks ago, I think having a top pick, uh, helped me now to be honest. I also think, uh, Miller's crossing hurt you a little bit in the polls. Not that it's a bad movie. I just don't think on a, on a wide level. I had a level, lot of people tell me that that was a sneaky, great pick. Yeah. Like, I had a few people say like, what a call. And I was like, thank you. But it's like making a good indie that. movie. It's like making a good indie movie. Like you got good critical reviews, but like it bombed a little bit at the box office. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, uh, and uh, I don't think Boys in the Hood or New Jack City, I don't think those played well for either of us, actually. Some people, a lot of people, actually, I don't, I don't, like for me anyway, New Jack City, they were, they were naming off other movies that we should have, which they do that. Uh, I was week. I was pretty surprised, though. Nobody yelled at us for not taking Donnie Brasco. Not one. I don't know if they yelled at you, but yeah. nobody yelled at me about Donnie Brasco. And I was shocked. Like, that was when I figured everybody's going to be like, you kidding I saw me? one Come or two on. comments. Yeah, one or two okay. comments, but yeah, I I expected more. Um, I I do think this week is going to be one where it's just such a broad category, and there's just so many movies and and characters yeah. to choose from. I think we're definitely going to get a nice dosage of you know people who who we don't pick this week. We're doing <laughs> fictitious. We're doing fictitious sports movie characters, and um, yeah, I expect to get an airful in Twitter. Also, and by the way, so it's known for everyone listening and because I'm sure some people who are not listening to this podcast who vote and got to chime in on Twitter, lazy bastards. Anyway, they're going to <laughs> complain that uh, like guys like Crash Davis from Bull Durham and you and I talked about this before we started taping. Uh, Jimmy Dugan was not even his real name from uh, League of Their Own. They're real people, man, they, or they're at least based off of real people. They're not fictional. Like Rudy. Ooh. Rudy the Rudy the yeah. character. He, he, that's uh again, that's based on it's Rudy Rudiger. He's a real person. I met him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, some facts were embellished in the movie, Rudy, but point being is that he's real. He's not fictitious. So guys like that are not eligible. So everyone out there listening, know that ahead of time. I'm like, actually, you know, I, I got the first pick this week because you went first last week you with do. uh Godfather. All right, so that's how it's going to work. Same as always. I'm going to pick five. You're going to pick five. Snake draft style. One, two, 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 and one. All right, you know what? I'm going to, I could sit here. It's like Jacksonville when they were on the clock in the NFL draft in April. Well, and why they took like eight minutes to make their pick, I have no idea. But everyone in the world knew they were taking Trevor Lawrence. Right. I could sit here and entertain other offers in trades right now or, or drag this out. But I got the first pick. And at least for me, anyway, there, this is a no-brainer. Uh, he's, again, Rudy's a real-life person, a real underdog. The ultimate fictional movie underdog to me is Rocky Balboa. It's my favorite movie franchise of all time to this day. And I know this is an unpopular opinion, by the way. Side note, 
Rocky three is actually my favorite Rocky movie of all of them. And I know everyone else says Rocky two or Rocky one, but, uh, yeah, I loved Rocky. <laughs> it's just, it had everything in there. But anyway, your boy was, uh, the real life, like I said, the real life underdog, the real life American success story, a little bit overrated as a boxer, by the way, if you really think <laughs> about it. He's, he's split he with Apollo. Ever. <laughs> he split with Apollo Creed. And he, even when he won, he won by a second. He got his ass knocked silly by Clubber Lang. The first time they fought Drago, that fight should have been stopped a million times. He went the distance with that guy in Balboa. I don't even know what the hell the guy's name was. Whoever Antonio Tyra played the character, I don't even remember who that was anymore. Mm-hmm. But my point being is that the guy was like maybe about a 500 fighter at best against, you know, against the best competition. But anyway, that aside, just a great story, uh, a great franchise. So, yeah, I got to go with Rocky. There's that, That's a no-brainer for me. So I, that's my first pick, and now you're going to be on the board, and you got two. Now I'm I'm happy I had you scouted correctly because I assumed I assumed Rocky was going to be no, number one regardless of who was picking number one. So because <laughs> yeah, no, um, no, uh, no I, I, I just it it's such an automatic. Uh, my next pick though, it's going to be one Reggie Dunlop from Slapshot. Okay, yeah, I, I had a feeling I, I had him scouted for you too. He's on my list. He's yeah, on my short list. Yeah. Now he, I mean, Reg is just such an unbelievable awesome character like he's just he's like what he's like the i mean it's paul newman a so like that's automatic super credit yeah but like he's just like the ultimate dude in that movie like he's just you know he's a smart ass you know he's smooth like he thinks he's smooth with the ladies he's really not you know he's he's always trying to chase his ex around and um but like as far as like for the boys and doing all that and trying to like keep the team centered perfect guy and it's just like just like that whole movie if it doesn't have paul newman playing that role is probably not a great movie but man oh man he just like reggie dunlop is just such an unreal character so i like that that to me made him an automatic uh sure. pick for me there my other one now i now mind you i i made a list of about 35 characters here <laughs> which i think was probably too many people because now i'm just like looking at this like a like a shopping list and i'm like, oh man i could take that guy i could take that guy mm, how about him uh but you know what i'm taking shane falco because <laughs> Ke- okay. shane falco like that movie is just such an, a like an insane movie but man keanu friggin rules in that like <laughs> it's like such like, I mean, I know Keanu is like hip and everything now and everybody loves it, but like, man, Shane Falco is the friggin' coolest dude in the world. And he's, you know, he's playing like this, you know, like scab quarterback or whatever. And he's just, he's just owning it. Like he's just friggin' great. And that might be my Keanu like fandom coming into play there. But Shane Falco is, is, is my number two guy. I friggin' love him. He's great. I might lose points on like note noteworthiness, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I'm laughing so much so hard is because I think Joe and I, after many, many podcast tapings, finally have something that we are literally on the complete opposite side of the fence. And, why, <laughs> and which, by the way, Shane Falco, I love him in a cheesy kind of way, just like I love Culture Club and Duran Duran and, and mm-hmm. Huey Lewis in the News in the 80s, you know, that cheesy music. I actually love it. But with, with Keanu Reeves as an actor, if I wish I wish my wife was here because... I would call her in and say, without even having to look at her, 
tell Joe who my least favorite actor on the face of this earth is. And she would not, she would take a half a second and she would say fucking canneries. <laughs> but yeah, Shane Falco is, he was on my list. Like I got a bunch of, uh, I, I got about not 35, but I got about a good 20 something. And, uh, he, he's on there too. That's a good one. And I think that's going to play well too. All right. So I'm on the board here with two. Um, you know, one of them for me is relatively easy. I'm going back in that at 80s rabbit hole. I just can't help myself. I always do. Uh, Danny LaRusso from the Karate Kid. I mean, oh, okay. come on, man. He, right. he, he took down he took down Cobra Kai at the All-Valley yeah. Tournament when he was just a teenager. He overcame adversity, moved out to Cali. His dad died when he was like, what, eight years old or some shit. Mm-hmm. Falls in love, falls in love again in another part of the world, ends up having to fight like literally to the death in Japan, shows some mercy mm-hmm. at the end, grows up, and as we see now in the Netflix series, is a, a successful car sales business. So he, he turned out to be a good businessman. I mean, let's fucking go, man. I, I'm all about Danny LaRusso. <laughs> so that's going to be one. Uh, now this gets a little bit harder for me because now I got a list. Of, <laughs> I got a list that's kind of clumped together. So Danny LaRusso is going to be one. You know what? I'm going to actually go... Uh, I'm going to go a coach here. I'm going to go with Gordon Bombay. Um, really? From Yeah, I'm going to go with Gordon Bombay. Dude, he's a child hockey prodigy as a kid, you know, but then he blew mm. the big game. Uh, his dad, he became a mean lawyer, a shitty lawyer, gets a DWI, mm-hmm. gets in all kinds of trouble. His life's a complete disaster. And ultimately, he becomes like a, a great youth hockey coach, man. Dude, his work with that District 5 squad in that league, unrivaled man it's unparalleled developed now, a lot of talent a, here's a confession on my part like my first pick was a hockey pl- hockey guy in a hockey movie i cannot stand the mighty ducks <laughs> I've, I've i've disliked it my entire life so like all the like gotten in the, the nostalgia and all this especially with the you know the new disney plus series where the, you know he's back and everything and i'm just like eh, all right like all right whatever like i know the characters i've seen the movies but i'm just like right yeah it, I just didn't attach. Like, and I think that's a product of me being a teen, like, you know, like a teen at the time. And I'm thinking like what, when they started the franchise in Anaheim and then they, you know, it was owned by Disney and then they named the mighty ducks. And I was like, ah, that's the cheesiest shit in the world. Get out of here. Like, oh, that's I just like a movie. Meal. Then they had the cool ass logo. <laughs> and I was just like, all right, I guess it's fine. But like, the I movies, just like yeah, a million. I, 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 yeah, I just, I couldn't get down with the movies at all. I was just like, it was lost on me. I think I think I was too cool for school when they came out, and I never cuddled up to it afterwards. So I was just like, "Yep, I'm good here." <laughs> so the Twitter poll this week is going to turn into a true rivalry here, man. I don't like I don't like <laughs> Kiana. You don't like you don't like the Mighty Ducks. What's going on? I like it, man. A little bad blood going this week. I like I think, it. I think the Keanu hive is is going to get you this time. They probably my, are. My man. entire <laughs> campaign is going to be like Pat hates Keanu Reeves. Vote for me. <laughs> there is a Keanu hive out there, just like there's a a Nicki Minaj hive too. When you try to mess with her, people get killed yeah, on just, Twitter just for that don't. shit. Yeah, just don't. <laughs> All right, so you you got you've had two, and now you're on the clock for the next two, and then I'll get my uh my last two. Okay, so. Man, I've got so many good picks here. Um, and I got to think of like the right one. Um, this is where good teams find a way to win and bad teams find a way to lose, Joe. It's true. It's true. Um, Kelly Leak, the Bad News Bears. 
Oh, oh, I Jackie forgot Earl, about the Jackie bad news. Earl bears. Haley. Yeah. Jackie Earl Haley as like the, 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 the scumbag kid who just turned out to be the yes. ringer. So good. Yeah. The ringer. Yeah. I re, you know, God, he's not on my list. But the only reason I'm not on my list is because I completely forgot about the movie. Shit. That's a good pick. <laughs> That's a good um, pick. Yeah. I, I mean, he's just such a, like, like, he looks like a little shit. He plays like a little shit. He acts like a little shit. Like he's like, what, 12 and he's smoking? Like, okay, sure. 13 yeah. and he's smoking and riding a dirt bike? Like, okay. He just shows up and he's an automatically the best baseball player. I mean, granted, the Bad News Bears were called the Bad News Bears for a reason. But, man, oh, man. Like, well, like he was like scumbag cool. Like Stone Cold, like Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's an antihero. You know, because you know, uh, Walter Matthau is just kind of like a, you know, kind of a deadbeat and you know you've got you know he's got his uh his niece amanda or his stepdaughter or something like that and it's like they're you know they got their you know dad kid thing to figure out there but kelly leak shows up and he's just owning everything at baseball and he's just such a little shit like <laughs> that's the only way i can describe him he's 59 in real life that's how old that movie is now what a fucking classic movie that is too man. Or a series, <laughs> I should say. classic franchise not a classic movie classic mm-hmm. franchise Damn, I'm kind of mad at myself. I'm not sure how it's gonna. I'm looking forward to reactions on that on Twitter. I'm not sure how that's gonna play. I don't know how many people will remember him by the character the name. Like, yeah. I think we. I think for some of these, we might have to put the movie name. I'm, with yeah, it just I, to I remind so people. Well. That's um, one too. That that's a great fucking pick, man. <laughs> so, all right, I feel good now. <laughs> it's, I got. I got your. See, we found common ground. That's what we did. <laughs> all right, we did finally. Yep, you got one more too. Uh, on that same, mm, where's the guy, where's the guy, where's the guy? There we go. Um, Sydney Dean. Good one. From white men can't jump. That's, uh, uh, Wesley Snipes just being Snipes. Yeah. It's Wesley. It's not Woody Harrelson for everyone out there. That's, that's Wesley Snipes. Um, the most trash talkingest like badass playground baller going and like, you know, the, you know, there's the whole thing with, you know, him and him and Woody just, you know, figuring out how to, how to scam people out of, out of basketball, which is great. But like Sidney Dean, Holy shit, dude, he friggin' rules. Like just everything about him, like, you know, taunting guys after, after hitting the game winning shot and everything. He's just, he's so cool. Like he's coolest dude going. Like when that movie came out, like everybody's like, wow, it's Woody from cheers. It's like, yeah, but, Yo, check out Wesley Snipes just like being awesome like through that whole movie. Like love it. Like that's a gr- that's a great movie, but man, Sidney Dean makes that movie go. Like I know it's all built around Woody Harrelson, but Sidney Dean is the guy. He's the straw that stirs the drink. <laughs> you know, I admire both of our unwavering commitments to never pick anybody who's been in a movie like within the last 20 years. <laughs> we we do this constantly you and i all right so you go with kelly Leakin and, and sydney dean so you got three i got three i got these are my last two mm-hmm. i'm gonna go uh well i'm gonna stay in that same like late 80s era i think it's late 80s if not early 90s I, I think it was 80s um same not the same pick but the same one of the he was in the movie wesley snipes that uh that I'm talking about here. I'm going to major league. I'm going Ricky Vaughn, man. The flamethrower. 
flamethrower, man. He dominated the California Penal League. Then he went to <laughs> Cleveland and he dominated Major League Baseball, man. Turned Cleveland around, helped put them on the map, got the strikeout to win the pennant. Then in the next year, he went Hollywood and kind of sucked, but then he, he got his swagger back, his, his temper, and he got his fastball back. So I'm a big Ricky Vaughn fan. Um, I had his T-shirt, by the way. I had a 99 Indians T-shirt with, uh, with Vaughn on the back of a handful nice. of years. I don't have it anymore. I outgrew it. Let's just put it that way. It used to fit me, and then it stopped, and it stopped fitting me through the years. <laughs> so, all right, so that's my fourth. I got one more here, and I got, man, I got about four or five people that I really, really like. I'm going to predict who we get the most shit for if you don't end up taking them afterwards. Um, okay. All right. Here's, here's my last pick. I'm going to go to the sport of golf and I'm going to go with Roy Tin cup McAvoy uh, from Tin okay. cup, former golf prodigy, man, going through life, no direction, no purpose. Falls in love with a shrink. Who's Don Johnson's ex-girlfriend. Their rivalry ensues. He qualifies her to us open. Shoots an 83 in the first round, comes back with a 62. He's in contention. 18th hole, last round, he puts it in the drink. And instead of taking a drop where he could still potentially birdie it and go to a playoff, he shoots again and goes in the drink and goes in the drink again. And he's all down to his last ball. And then it and he puts it in the hole on his on his. I think he took a 12 on the last hole. But uh I loved. Loved Kevin. By the way, we could have picked Kevin McCosser probably for about four different uh, sports movie characters. Right. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Tin Cup, man. I feel good about that one. So Ricky Vaughn and uh, Roy McAvoy. Those are going to be my last two. And now uh, you're on the board and you're going to get the last pick of the draft. Make it a so good there's, one. there's a lot of possibilities here. Like, I mean, and like also from movies that we've already kind of covered, like you could pick about three different people out of Rocky. Other Absolutely. than Rocky, and be okay with that. Yep. Um, and you could, I mean, geez, I'm just looking through my list here. There's so many good ones. And like even Major League, you could pick out a handful of people from Major League and be okay. I have a like, handful written down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, mm, see, there's ones that I want to pick with my heart. Because it's just like, oh, I love that character. But then there's ones that say in my head, dude, you're going to get the floor mopped with you if you take him. Right. And like, I just, I just don't, I don't want to do that. And hmm. Al Zervik. Who is that off the top of my head? Caddyshack. That's Rodney Dangerfield. Oh. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> um, there's no you would one win, character. You would that, win oh. this poll, Joe. You would win this poll in my heart. Uh, I'm going to be completely <laughs> honest with you because two of your five characters I didn't have, and they would have been on my list if I even thought of the movie. I never even thought of the movie at all. Damn it. This is why I did exhaustive research. <laughs> you sure did. But I mean, that whole movie, like there, that movie's unbelievable. First off, it's probably didn't, it, it hasn't aged terribly well, but like not as bad as some other ones, but it's still, it still kind of hangs on, which is, that's okay. Um, but when you think of all the people in that judge Smales, Ty Webb, Danny Noonan, Ronnie Dangerfield's character is the one that makes that entire movie go. 
Kyle Cervic is, is the guy. Uh, yeah, like Spackler, like Spackler and the and the, and the, and the you know the the groundhog. So like, oh my god, like there's just so many people in that movie. But man, like Roddy Dangerfield is just like an unbelievable force of nature as Al Cervic because he just doesn't fit the country club and he just does everything his way and he just friggin' goes nuts and it's 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 so good and like even even though he like uh uh what was it like even though he's just like he always kind of like tries to find a way to like kind of backdoor his way out of like the you know the final the final hole and it's or like the final uh battle and it's just like you know it's fine it's fine danny noonan's got his back but it's just still like roddy makes that face oh geez oh my arm i can't do it you know it's just like (laughs) but it's just like you know the way the way him and smales play off each other is just like you know, in reading this, you know, like there's there's a book out about like the history of Caddyshack and like the stories about that movie from behind the scenes are just it, it insane. And it's uh, the guy who played Smales was like a dead serious actor, and Rodney Dangerfield is Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> so those two guys playing off each other makes I mean, it makes Smales Smales is unbelievably funny in that whole movie. But like Rodney Rodney just being like the punchline for his you know to, to being his foil. Oh man, uh, it just drives drives the whole movie. It's, he's just Al Servic is like like that's the kind of character you put into a comedy movie. And you're just like, oh, thank God he's here. That movie is um, it's among my favorite movies ever. Caddyshack, Animal House, especially older movies. Mm-hmm. They're right there neck and neck for uh, my favorite movie ever. You know, it's funny because and I love. I can't believe I'm mad because you here's proof <laughs> that I here's proof that I forgot about it. Um, I so. Before I started having Joe on the podcast, I was Dell was doing some casual Fridays with me, and we would do this same exact poll, and we did a starting five of all time comedians, and I drafted Rodney Dangerfield in in my all time <laughs> comedian draft in the third round. That's how funny I think he is. That's how much I love him. Oh, man. I never, I never thought of the movie. I'll tell you what though, I'm looking at our list, and there, these are again. I, I just talked about this a few minutes ago. I think, I think critically. These are going to be appreciated names. I think on a general consensus, I think we're going to take a, a, a beating. <laughs> and to our, first of all, because there's just so many yeah. big name characters out there, but mm-hmm. also just the pure volume of people you could pick is going to lead people to saying, you know, they would pick other people. But uh, right. yeah, we're going to take a beating. I don't give a shit. Real quick here. I did have one that neither, I'm guaranteeing you this. We're going to hear a lot of Benny the Jet Rodriguez from the Sandlot. He was very high on my list. He's I, mine too. He was one of the people I considered at the end. Um, yeah, he's, we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit of a beating for that. I, I suspect some people are gonna say uh, Roy Hobbs from The Natural, which, by the mm-hmm. way, part of that movie was filmed literally across the street from where I grew up on the West Side. I'll never forget that. It was like in the early '80s. Uh, so yeah, I would expect Roy Hobbs, um, maybe Bobby Boucher. I got a couple other ones written down. I'll fly through real quick too. Uh, Billy Hoyle, the other half of White Men Can't Jump. I got Jackie mm-hmm. Moon, Shooter McGavin, uh, Jesus Shuttleworth from He Got Game, Kenny yep. Powers from Eastbound and Down, which, by the way, I should have considered that more when we did our HBO original series. Uh, Jimmy Chitler yeah. from Hoosiers, the Hanson mm-hmm. Brothers, sticking with Slapshot. You talked yep. about Major League Baseball or uh, Major League. I had Pedro Serrano, and I probably would have had him higher if he could have hit a curveball, but he couldn't hit a curveball. And then uh, <laughs> Love and Basketball, okay, that was one of my favorite movies. Um, it was with Omar Epps, and, and Monica Wright was the character mm-hmm. the, the character of the girl. That 
She was the basketball star who was in love with Omar Epps. She was awesome. So I, those are ones that I mostly considered. But uh, yeah, Drago, Mickey, Clubberland, Apollo. We're gonna, we're gonna, mm-hmm. we're gonna catch a beating, dude. Did, yeah. did I miss a couple? You got a couple? The I, I do. I, miss? I do. I had um, a couple that you didn't have. Dottie Henson from League of Their Own. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like. That, that was another one very high on the list. But then I saw Caddish. I was like, I, I got it. Like Al Cervic is just unbelievable. But like Dottie Hinson, holy Jesus. Like what like what a thorough, fully rounded character too. And then plus you get the debate at the end of the movie. Did she drop the ball or did did Kit knock it knock it out clean? Like did she do her did she do her kid sister a favor? I don't think she did. What do you think? I don't think she did. I don't think I don't I used to think that she did, but I don't think she did. I think Dottie was too much of a fierce competitor. Like she never she never let Kit have one, which leads to the debate. She never let Kit have one. But then maybe she did because Kit was just so down on herself and she was so pissed about everything. And and then she was just kind of like, all right, well, Kit can have this one. She earned it. But then also like Dottie wouldn't do that. Like Dottie, like Dottie would never tank it. Like that's 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 crazy. Um Dean Youngblood and Racky from Youngblood. Mm, good one. Now, yeah. I didn't like Rob Lowe's, I didn't like Youngblood. Racky's a frigging menace though. Like that guy, like, I yeah. mean, you talk about movie heels, that guy's frigging perfect. Um, Cole Trickle and Rowdy Burns from Days of Thunder. Oh, okay. Tom Cruise. Yeah, with Tom Cruise, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Paul Crew from The Longest Yard. Yeah, Burt that Reynolds was, was or Adam one. Sandler? Are you talking Burt Reynolds or are you talking Adam Sandler, though? Burt Reynolds. All right, thank Burt you. Reynolds. I was going to say, no Adam Sandler. <laughs> it's not Adam Sandler. All right, no. I agree with that. I agree with Burt being Paul. Okay. And I wanted to, like, if we got really silly with picks, I was going to go with one of uh, Joe Cooper, Doug Reamer, or Squeak Scolari from Basketball. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Which, if, if, you've, if you've never seen Basketball, it's, it's an insane movie. It's and actually funny it as shit, man. Blows me away the number of like big time sports celebrities, like sports like announcing celebrities that got to be a part of that movie. Because holy shit, the, th- the things they had Al Michaels and Bob Costas say through that movie is like, what you got? The- you got these two guys to say it? Like Jesus, amazing. It's ama- it's, it's a it's a legit funny as hell movie, and yeah. like I think for anybody older than older than maybe 45 or 50 they're looking at it going like i don't know about that i'm not gonna watch that stupid shit like but anybody like that was like south park grew up with south park stuff like you were just into it immediately and it's friggin' hilarious yeah all right so we're gonna wrap it up here get out of here let me go through these picks one more time i drafted rocky balboa daniel larusso gordon bombay ricky vaughn and roy tinkup mcavoy joe went with reggie dunlop Shane Falco, Kelly Leak, Sidney Dean, and Al Cervic. This is going to be a fun poll. Like I said, I think the consensus is, I don't know who's going to win this. I think the consensus is we're going we're gonna to lose in the court of public <laughs> opinion and catching an ass whooping on Twitter. But anyway, give Joe a follow on Twitter, at Joe Yurden. The poll will be up at Pamaran Tweets. It'll be up all weekend. Go on and vote. Joe, thanks for joining me as always. And, you know, talking movies is fun, but... Thanks for shooting the shit with me, especially about Saber stuff, because that's not fun to talk about. It's not easy to do. <laughs> and uh, the article was awesome. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. So thanks as always, buddy. Always, man. It's always fun. I'm glad we can glad we can cut loose with our with our starting five every week to just kind of cool down and, and enjoy things. <laughs>